Trigger warning. The following episode contains mentions of self-harm, animal cruelty, suicide and murder. Of course, because it's called Movies, Murder and Mayhem. Hello and welcome to What Scream, Movies, Murder and Mayhem, the little sub podcast series that I have going on. The usual podcast is all about horror films, but this series is all about the true crime, the true horror, the true stories behind some of our favourite films. So this week I wanted to do the true crime case that I am obsessed with. Um, I really hyper-focused on this case a while back. I read everything, watched everything, listened to everything I possibly could about this case. It's just that one case that I am fascinated by and I could read about it and listen about it over and over again and I will never stop finding it fascinating. The story that I'm going to tell you guys today is all about mayhem the black metal band and the black metal murders. So I am really taking the mayhem part of movies, murder and mayhem to heart this week. And I'm gonna be chatting about the band Mayhem. Now, as you may or may not know, there is the film about Mayhem starring one of the Culkin brothers. I think it's Rory Culkin. And that film is called Lords of Chaos. And in it, Rory Culkin plays Euronymous, who is one of the founding members of Norwegian black metal. So let's get into it. This is a story about Mayhem and the black metal murders. So in the 1990s, there was a new wave of extreme metal emerging from Norway. This was called black metal and with its fast tempo and banshee-like shrieking vocal style, lo-fi, low-quality recording, distorted guitars and an emphasis on the atmosphere. It was a pushback against the rising popularity of Swedish death metal. And it kind of started in the 80s with bands like Venom, Celtic Frost and Hellhammer. The underground scene in Norway wanted to push against this metal coming from Sweden and Switzerland and create a music movement that was way more extreme. The scene in Norway would become synonymous with Satanism, church burnings and eventually murder. So between the years of 1990 to 1992, artists from Norway began to perform their own brand of black metal and created what is now known as the second wave of black metal, the first obviously being from the 80s. A new style of guitar playing was developed by Black Thorn of Stigma Diabolicum and Oyston Arseth, aka Euronymous of Mayhem. So all these black metal guys, they all had these stage names. It's like black metal burlesque you know they had their normal names and then their glittery stage names I mean they even wore like makeup and costumes so black metal and burlesque I guess that's a really weird relationship to forge there but there we go black metals are just like burlesquers with their uh with their names um and all their names were stuff like Euronymous, which means I think it's Prince of Death in ancient Greek, and 
Hellhammer, Necro Butcher, you know, like all these mad fucking nicknames. Um, I'd love to know what your black metal name would be. I don't know what mine would be. <laughs> all I can think of is Black Coffee. No, that's not very black metal. The black metal music became more and more satanic and not just for shock value. Uh, and the term true cult became the term for satanic black metal, but true cult like T-R-V-E-K-V-L-T. So it's like Kvult, I guess, I don't know. The band started to wear black and white corpse paint and, as well. So it looks a bit like if you were trying to do a kiss makeup recreation but you did it with your bad hand or your non-dominant hand that's what it would look like it didn't really look like corpse paint because we all know corpses are like gray and green but it looked like this almost like fantasy style of a corpse so the band mayhem was one of the four runners of the norwegian black metal scene it was founded in 1984 by oyston arsteth known as destructor who then became known as euronymous who rory culkin played in lords of chaos uh, there was the bassist necro butcher and the drummer kietel meinheim now Kietel, he couldn't really think of a good name, so his stage name was basically just Mannheim. Um, keeping it keeping it simple, keeping it cool. So after their initial vocalist left, he was replaced by Pierre Ungov Island. I'm really sorry for my pronunciations, I could be doing this completely wrong, but how or never. We're just gonna call Pierre Ungov Island dead, as that was his stage name. Mayhem's live performances became notorious like people basically didn't go for the music they went for the stage performance again with the burlesque kind of showgirls these black metalers they're basically showgirls just not like glittery i guess maybe they did have glitter that's what you know what all this like trauma that surrounds these norwegian black metalers if they just had more glitter in their lives i think they'd be a lot more happier their live performances. Dead took it to the extreme and he really took his stage name Dead to heart. He was supposedly, according to speculation, the first performer to wear corpse paint amongst these Norwegian black metalers. And not because of any sort of obsession with like Alice Cooper or Kiss, but because he actually wanted to look dead. That was his whole aesthetic. He was like, I want to look like I have just come up from the grave he would even after every show he would take his stage clothes and he would bury them in the forest dirt and before every show he'd dig it up and put them on because he wanted to smell like a fresh grave like that mangy musty dirty rotten grave smell some people love that i am pretty sure you can get that in like candles or whatever um he probably like he could have just made an air freshener for that he didn't have to be so extreme these black metalers and then this next bit is a bit of a trigger warning for self-harm and animal cruelty basically dead would also cut himself on stage using a knife or glass and he would let the blood like fly all over the audience i mean that's so dangerous that's like medical no that's dirty like dirty and he would also take um, like the head of a sheep or a pig and put it on a stake in front of the stage, in front of the audience. 
Um, apparently loads of people would walk out from their shows when they did this because they were just not having it, which is right. And another thing that Dead apparently also did was he'd carry around the corpse of a dead cat in a bag and he would huff it before going on stage just to like get him amped up or whatever. Um, so he was, he was super extreme. So Dead, as you could probably guess, was obsessed with death. And he believed that his blood was frozen in his veins, i.e. he was actually dead. Now, this is an actual condition called Cotard's syndrome, where a person thinks that they are dead or dying or they don't actually exist. So we don't know for sure if dead had this Cotard's syndrome, but it kind of sounds a lot like he did. He apparently suffered really badly from depression as well. And it's just sad to think that maybe if he'd gotten some help, it might not have turned out the way it did obviously when you've got this kind of subculture that is really based on toxic masculinity my favorite buzzword toxic masculinity but when you've got a subculture that's based on toxic masculinity when it comes to getting help for mental health it's just it's not going to happen in 1990, the band members went to live in an old house in the middle of the forest in Oslo to begin writing songs for their next album, De Mysterious Dom Sahanas. Now, apparently Dead and Euronymous really did not get on. I mean, they were best friends, but living together, it was just not the perfect marriage. They really got on each other's nerves. Euronymous would play synth music uh, really, really loud just to annoy Dead. And when Dead would go out to the woods to sleep to try and get away from Euronymous, Euronymous would follow him and be shooting his gun up in the air just to like really get on his nerves. And I can imagine that if you already suffer with some form of mental illness, having that constant irritation and constantly feeling on edge because of some absolute like idiot trying to get on your last nerve, like that pushes you to the extreme. And it was even said that Dead stabbed Euronymous because he just couldn't take it anymore. So the next section, I'm going to give a trigger warning for suicide. There's a lot of trigger warnings for this week's episode. On the 8th of April, 1991, Dead died by suicide. We like to say died by suicide now. We don't say commit suicide because that implies some sort of crime. Dying by suicide is definitely not a crime. It's not a sin. So Euronymous found him with his wrists and neck slit. And he had also shot himself on the, in the head. And people said that he didn't have a sense of humor. But his suicide note read, excuse all the blood. So when Euronymous found Dead's body, he didn't call authorities. No, no, no. He went to the local shop and he picked up a disposable camera, came back to the scene and he rearranged Dead's body as well as like loads of other objects. And he took photographs of Dead. And he, I don't know what was going through his mind. I mean, you can say people deal with trauma and grief and shock in different ways, but this isn't it. You call the authorities, you call the police, you call medical, paramedics, whatever. But you don't, like, that takes a real calm, collected thought process to be like, oh, I need to get a photograph of this. It's just fucked up. Like, that's not a normal process. Euronymous basically exploited Dead's death to create more of an evil image uh, to surround mayhem. 
Uh, Euronymous even took pieces of dead skull and made necklaces out of it and gifted them to other musicians he deemed worthy. Like, that's so fucked up. And I can't figure out how he got away with it because surely when the coroner comes to take the body, they need all the pieces and they've noticed that skull fragments are missing. Um, so I don't know how he got away with it or why he'd even want to. It's just, it seemed the character of Euronymous seemed to just be really exploitative of other people's trauma and misery. Euronymous made a lot of enemies through this exploitation of dead suicide. And the other members of Mayhem, especially the bassist Necrobutcher, was just like, don't ever call me again until you've gotten rid of those photos, stopped with the skull necklaces. And in fact, Necrobutcher started to make plans to kill Euronymous. But he was kind of beaten to it. So a little bit of background on Oyston Arsus. He was born 22nd of March, 1968. He's got that Aries uh, thing kind of going on. And as well as forming mayhem, he first became one of the central figures in the forming of the black metal scene. Now, in Lords of Chaos, it kind of says that he comes from like a super normal background, like mom, dad, little sister. I don't know how much that is true. I couldn't really find a lot about his family life, but it seems like he just came from a super normal family. He also opened a record shop called Helvet, which is the Norwegian for hell. And this really became a central hub where black metal musicians would meet at the shop and they'd congregate in its basement. Um, it included members of Mayhem, other bands Emperor and Count Grishnak, AKA Varg Vikernes of Burzum. Now this Count Grishnak, he's a bit of a, a prince character, Count Grishnak, formerly known as Varg Vikernes, formerly known as Christian. Uh, <laughs> and he is going to come into play later. Euronymous also founded his indie record label called Death Like Silence Productions, which released albums by Mayhem and Burzum, as well as Swedish bands Merciless and Abruptum, and also the Japanese band Psy. So black metal was also reaching as far as Japan. Apparently Mayhem were huge in Japan. So Euronymous, Varg Vikernes and Emperor's drummer Faust lived in Helvet and it really became the epicenter of Norwegian black metal. The people who gathered at Helvet began to refer to themselves as the Black Circle, allegedly named by Euronymous himself. So according to media, there was this speculation that the Black Circle were a cult of militant Satanists and were even referred to as satanic terrorists by 1993 Kerrang! magazine article. So despite this air of like evil that surrounded the Black Circle, other members such as Faust and Varg later said retrospectively, it wasn't ever really a thing. It was just something that Euronymous had invented to again appear more evil, more satanic, to spread fear, basically. They said, oh no, we just went there and hung out and like watched movies and whatever. But Euronymous created this whole thing that they were going around in black hoods and chanting evil chants and doing sacrifices or whatever. And that just wasn't the case, apparently. Satanism was a massive thing for the black metal bands of Norway. They were super opposed to Christianity in any sort of organized religion. 
In interviews, Euronymous would also make sure to play up themselves as this like misanthropic devil worshippers. So Norway is a super Christian country and Euronymous and a lot of the black metal scene members really wanted to push against that. And what's the opposite of Christianity? But Satanism. But they were even against the satanic church because they felt it was too tame for them. Euronymous was also against compassion, peace, and happiness. So he was a fucking barrel of laughs. He hated everything that was good in the world. Not that Christianity is good, but it's kind of weird because I would be quite against Christianity as well, but I feel that the way that these black metalers took it, being anti-Christian, they almost became Christian-like themselves in their militantism. I don't know if that's a word. They became just like extreme Christians themselves. So although, once again, Euronymous's satanic authenticity, authenticity was called into question by other members of the black metal scene, as it just seemed he was saying all this just to create a commotion around his band Mayhem. And he was just saying these things to provoke. He didn't actually believe in them. And he didn't really have the follow through. He just wanted attention for his band, for his shop and for his record label. But Euronymous did believe that true black metal had members who were theistic Satanists and whose lyrics were satanic. So he believed that you couldn't be black metal unless you were a Satanist. Some black metal bands, however, did become interested in Viking and Norse mythology. As again, this was the original religion of... Scandinavian countries like Norway before Christians came in and took over. So they believe that going back to these old religions was a better pushback. But unfortunately, as we know, a lot of Norse symbology and mythology has kind of been appropriated by Nazism and white supremacy. So quite a lot of these black metalers fell into Nazism. Although it wasn't really ever a political movement apart from Varg, um, Count Grishnak. He was the only political member. So let's talk about the church burnings, um, which is infamous. Like, I'm sure if you said to anyone, black metal, people would go, church burnings. They know it, even if they don't really know that much about black metal. So in 1992, there was a wave of arson attacks on Christian churches in Norway. And by 1996, there had been at least 50 fires and attacks on these churches. However much you don't agree with the church, Christianity, whatever, these churches were historical landmarks. They were hundreds of years old. They provided, you know, some sort of historical identity. The first church to burn down was the Fantoff Stave Church, which was burnt in June of 1992. Now, authorities did believe that Varg Vikernes from Burzum was responsible because, now he wasn't very subtle about this. Like, I feel like if you're going to commit a crime and as one as big as burning a church down, you might want to be a bit subtle, but no, no, he was not. So they felt that he was responsible because the cover of Burzum's EP was a photograph of the burnt church. Plus, the EP was called Ashka, which is ashes in Norwegian. I mean, talk about putting it out there. He might have just, he might as well have just written on the EP, I burnt the church down. So Varg was also charged and found guilty for burning down the Holmukollen church. 
the Skyo Church and the Assane Church. Again, I'm really sorry for my pronunciations. He was also found guilty for the theft and possession of 150 kilograms of explosives. This boy meant business, but he wasn't really good at covering his tracks. So as well as the church burnings, some of the members of black metal Norwegian scene was also involved in murder. On the 21st of August 1992, Bard Faust Eithen killed Magna Andresen, a gay man in Lillehammer. According to Faust, Andresen sexually accosted him and Faust agreed to go for a walk with him to a nearby woods called Olympia Park. But when they got there, Faust stabbed him 37 times and then he kicked him in the head as he lay dying on the ground. Faust has always said that it wasn't a homophobic attack, that it wasn't a hate crime and he just wanted to get his aggression out and it could have been any person. Magna just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. Even Faust's bandmates in Emperor had said that he had always been fascinated with serial killers and he wanted to know what it felt like to kill someone. I mean, we're all fascinated with serial killers, honey. Doesn't mean you go out and kill someone. He could have just been a bad egg. I know a lot of people like to blame music for stuff, but he was obviously just a bad egg and his morality was slightly skewed. And also, you know, they say about people that do commit these kind of crimes that they have no impulse control. And that sounds a lot like Faust. The police had zero clue about the potential suspect behind the murderer. But yet Faust went around confessing to people like Euronymous and Vikernes about what he did. But he would not be arrested for the killing for a whole year in August of 1993. And after that, he was sentenced to 14 years in prison, but he was released in 2003. So in January 1993, Varg Vikernes did an anonymous, in quotation marks, an anonymous interview with one of Norway's biggest newspapers, Bergens Tidende, or BT. And this brought the formerly underground black metal scene in Norway into the media spotlight. He summoned the journalist to his apartment and he actually threatened them with being shot if they called the police. So he told the journalists that he and his fellow black metalers were the ones who burnt down the churches and that he had killed a man in Lilhammer. So he was kind of taking the blame for the murder that Faust committed but not because he wanted to like help his friend but basically he wanted to appear scary and that people should fear him. Um, he also said the attacks would continue and their intentions were to spread fear and evil. He then took a picture of like his face in the shadows with his hair over his face and he was holding up two knives and he was wearing like chain mail armor. It's just, you think about it and you would laugh if it wasn't, if it didn't become so serious. Like, I've been around black metalers and most of the time they're absolute saps. And, like, in the nicest of ways, they're saps. But, again, we're talking about this special brand of toxic white masculinity that, unfortunately, we've seen a lot of in the last few weeks and years. And this is what it breeds. This misogyny this racism this homophobia it breeds violence 
So this then led to Varg's arrest. And again, Varg, he's such an idiot. The police were able to arrest him because he put his address on a Burzum gig flyer. No shit. Like, this is the dumbest motherfucker you have ever heard of in your whole entire life. So because of the media attention and also the attention from the police, Euronymous decided to shut Helvet. Um, and also he was having problems paying the rent because he apparently didn't run a very good record shop. Vicarinus condemned Euronymous because of his closure of Helvet because he felt it rendered his efforts kind of pointless. Um, you know, he felt that Euronymous was just giving up when Vicarinus was really trying to fly the flag for this terrifying satanic metal movement. And he kind of felt that he'd spent six weeks in police custody for nothing, which is ridiculous. Like, do not blame your problems on your friends. Like, you are, you're the problem. You're the centre of the problem, Varg. So in early 1993, the relationship between Euronymous and Vicarinus was fastly deteriorating. According to Varg, Euronymous owed him money over the sale of Burzum records, as well as a growing feeling that Euronymous was inauthentic. So Varg was all about authenticity. He was taking it to the max, whereas he felt Euronymous was literally just a facade. So on the night of 10th of August 1993, Varg Vicarinus and Schnorr Blackthorn Booth drove from Bergen to Euronymous's apartment in Oslo. There was a huge confrontation and Vicarinus stabbed Euronymous to death. He was found outside of his apartment lying face down. He had 23 stab wounds, two to the head, five to the neck and 16 to the back. So it was super personal and aggressive and like almost a crime of passion. So Vicarinus claimed that Euronymous had planned to attack him with a taser gun and then tie him up, torture him and film it. So Varg acted in self-defense. But I mean, like 23 stab wounds is not self-defense. That is, that's pure anger and wrath. Euronymous was kind of known for sending death threats to people, but never really carried that. He was just one of these guys that was all talk and no action. There's a great documentary called Pure Fucking Mayhem in which Necro Butcher kind of says, look, if you're going to keep sending death threats, then eventually someone's going to come at you. Not that that is pass for Varg because he's a terrible person. But you know, Euronymous wasn't an angel. And I think one of the main things, I mean, I love Lords of Chaos, the film, I absolutely adore it. But I think one of the main things I have with it is they paint Euronymous as like this really cool character and like he I mean Rory Culkin is really fucking cool but Euronymous was not like that he was an arsehole so Varg Vicarinus was eventually arrested on the 19th of August 1993 and was sentenced to 21 years which is Norway's max sentence for the murder of Euronymous the arson of the four churches and possession of explosives now I could go into Varg Vicarinus's kind of past and his childhood or whatever but I'm not because he is a despicable human being and he just doesn't deserve any more airtime so that is the story of the second wave of black metal in Nor Norway and the all the crime and trauma that surrounds this underground scene. So as I said, there's so many 
books and podcasts and documentaries that if you're interested in finding out a bit more, this is a very brief explanation. I mean, you could really do a whole podcast series, but why would you when you've got Lords of Chaos, the book that really goes into so much detail on the background of black metal and what happened after um, the second wave of black metal. There's tons of podcasts about it. There's tons of documentaries, as I said, pure fucking mayhem. And, you know, if you want to have a bit of a gawk at Rory Culkin as Euronymous, then do. He's a babe. But yeah, that was the story of mayhem. And the black metal murders. So I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of movies, murder and mayhem. Do let us know what case you think I should do next. There are so many and it's just, it's it's becoming hard to pick one, but we'll figure it out. We'll figure, even if I have to do what I do on the main podcast and pull it out of a hat, I will do so. So I hope you're really enjoying this series um don't forget to rate and review and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you listen to us on you can let me know what case you'd like to hear next on our social media so that is what a screen podcast on facebook and instagram and also twitter at what underscore scream don't forget to listen to the main podcast as well while i chat to guests about horror films uh, the next one coming out on monday is all about 1960s horror so as always stay horrific goodbye